Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, welcome, welcome back, everyone, to Blog Talk Radio. Here we are on a Tuesday night, and uh. One of my favorite things to do uh, is uh, blog talk radio. Uh, I get to get a chance to talk and hear the thoughts of some of my favorite people. And uh, uh, tonight, especially, one of is really one of our most popular and asked about guests. Uh, we have back uh, again, and. Uh, uh, his name is Randall Balmer. Randall is an American historian, especially about religion in America and evangelicalism in particular. Uh, and yet he has a, an amazing perspective on it. It's a, he has a is a journalistic perspective on uh, 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 on American evangelicalism and and. Uh, uh, has done a number number of books. My eyes have seen the glory and an encyclopedia of uh, evangelicalism in America. I mean, he's done many different works that help us think about what is this phenomenon, especially as Christianity has has become more and more popular and become more political and become more. Uh, uh, noticeable and uh, you know a part of the media and a part of the news and, and uh, uh, Randall helps us really helps us make it through this very actually very confusing um, reality that uh, I don't think we all still fully understand uh, what's really going on but uh, um we are especially, uh, I'm especially excited to, to have him on the, on the show tonight because I want to talk about one of his more recent books. It's uh, 2014, uh, came out. It's a biography of Jimmy Carter called Redeemer, the Life of Jimmy Carter. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pick Randall's brain about why he wrote this book and uh, what we can all learn from it. So, Randall, welcome back to Blog Talk Radio. Glad to be here, John. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for the invitation. You bet. You bet. Well, of course, we'll start with the uh, the proverbial, why did you write this book question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, a, I was an undergraduate student at Trinity College in Deerfield, Illinois, in the, um, the mid-1970s. And all of a sudden, a national figure popped on the scene talking about himself as a born-again Christian. And 
uh, you know, this was the language that uh, that I had used to talk about myself, of course, and the world in which I grew up. But we were always a little bit kind of sheepish about talking about ourselves as being born again, especially when we were talking to somebody outside of of uh, evangelicalism. And right. it was striking to me that J- Jimmy Carter was unabashed about it. He was proud of it, and uh, it, it got my attention. And so I began following his life and career. And uh, um, for many years, had this kind of vague idea that I wanted someday to write a, a religious biography of, of Jimmy Carter. That is one that took his faith seriously, precisely because he took his faith seriously. Mm. And I thought that some of the other biographies really didn't give his faith and his beliefs the the uh, the coverage that uh, that was warranted. Wow. Um... Wow. Uh, well, let's let's say let's ask you uh, all all my questions. I'm that that I have for you are, seem to be almost so broad that um, <laughs> that's all right <laughs> and all, almost childish. But you know, I have so many. There are so many questions about Jimmy Carter, and and I guess I would want to know what what did you learn in 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 the writing uh, a religious biography, what, what did you learn about him that you didn't know before? That 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 yeah. that's maybe the more signif- most significant type of thing. That's a good <laughs> question. I, um, I I'll have to think about it as I start to answer that question. <laughs> I, I guess I came away from our conversations with a sense that you know this is a person who really was and is serious about his faith. Uh, as you know, he just celebrated his 99th birthday uh, this past uh, Sunday. So wow. you know he's been around for a long time, and wow. his faith is is uh, utterly crucial to understanding his identity. Now, I guess the other thing that was striking to me is that Jimmy Carter had his born again experience when he was uh, 11 years old, and hmm. as he is uh, talked about. Uh, yeah, this was fairly standard for somebody growing up in a, a Southern Baptist congregation, as he did. His father, in fact, was one of his Sunday school teachers, and uh, and so that was, you know, you you had you you had your conversion experience, your born again experience, and then of course uh, uh, baptism, particularly if you're in the Baptist uh, tradition, and it was part of who he was growing up. But his real crisis of faith occurred after he ran for governor of Georgia in 1966. And hmm. he lost to one of the most famous segregationists in American history, Lester Mag- Maddox. Oh, yeah. And uh, he came back to uh, to Plains, Georgia, which, of course, is uh, his hometown. And he was uh, utterly ruined by this. He was, uh, contemporaries said that he would walk around town uh, dejected with his head down. He wasn't sure what he was going to do with the rest of his life. He thought his political career was over. And then his sister, Ruth Carter Stapleton, and, and I'm sure many people remember mm-hmm. her person, uh, she was a Pentecostal evangelist uh, since deceased. And uh, Ruth Carter Stapleton came back to, to Plains to talk with her brother, Jimmy Carter, and they had uh, a long walk together at the conclusion of which Jimmy Carter decided to 
again, I'm using evangelical language, which is very familiar to you, I'm sure, John, but to many people, other uh, other people mm-hmm. as well. He decided to rededicate his life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, this is a fairly standard thing in the evangelical world. And he was serious about it. And I, I, I'll give you an example of how serious he was. Mm-hmm. Within months, he undertook two mission trips with uh, other Southern Baptist laymen, one of them to Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, and the other to Springfield, Massachusetts, where they went around literally door-to-door, knocking on doors to tell people about Jesus. Hmm. And the first time I ever met Jimmy Carter was at a, uh, just prior to an event at Emory University. And what he wanted to talk about with the, in front of this small group, maybe a dozen people, what he wanted to talk about was the unsurpassed joy of telling other people about Jesus. So wow. this renewal for him, his rededication, uh, mm-hmm. was very serious. And, and uh, you know, not many of us, I have to say, and I'll include myself in that, in that statement, not many of us uh, go door to door, knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. <laughs> but this is what Jimmy Carter did uh, wow. on two occasions after his uh, his spiritual experience following the 1966 governor, uh, gubernatorial campaign. You know, uh, he's such a he's such an interesting. I, I don't. I can't even think of the right word for it. Uh, not controversial, but. Um, he's a conundrum, I, I think. You know, right there in the middle of, uh, you know, the the beginnings of right wing uh, Christianity, and uh, uh, and yet here here he was, you know, a, 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 an evangelical of a very different strain, something right. that we're not familiar with, and I think. You know, I, I think there are a lot of people that didn't even recognize him as an evangelical. Don't you think? Yeah. Uh, yes, I think you're right, and that's that's really tragic. And I think it's important to remember the context of the 1970s. Yeah. Uh, the 1970s was really interesting, and uh, as I mentioned earlier in in our conversation, I was a college student um, in the in the mid 1970s at an evangelical school. But in November of 1973, there was a remarkable gathering of evangelical leaders at the Wabash Street YMCA in Chicago. And they hammered out this document called the Chicago Declaration of Evangelical Social Concern. And mm-hmm. uh, I invite you and your listeners to, to, to look at it. It's, it's on, you can find it on the, on the Internet. Make sure you look for the 1973 version of this. But what's, what's striking about that statement was the extent to which it reflected the political and religious sentiments of 19th and early 20th century evangelicals. That is to say, uh, the Chicago Declaration decried the persistence, persistence of racism in American society. It talked about the growing uh, income gap between the most affluent and the poorest members of society. It uh, bemoaned the fact that one of the most affluent nations in the world still had people going to bed hungry every night. It talked about uh, the, the problem of militarism in American society, and it reaffirmed evangelicals' 
historic commitment to women's equality. Uh, it's wow. a remarkable statement. And uh, this is, I call this progressive evangelicalism. And, yeah. you know, that's not a, that's not a terribly um, um, controversial label. But in one of my conversations with uh, Mr. Carter, I, um, uh, I, I asked him if he was comfortable with that term describing him and his approach to social reform and to politics and so forth. And uh, he said he was. He was uh, uh, evangelicalism is not a term that is used by a lot of Southerners, particularly Southern Baptists. But he said that he was very comfortable to be uh, labeled in that uh, um, by that term and and to identify with that tradition. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes, you're absolutely right. What happens, uh, I think, tragically during Carter's presidency, and we can talk about that if you want to. What what happened? But uh, tragically. That is when you have the emergence of the religious right. And, of mm-hmm. course, they turn dramatically against Jimmy Carter in favor of Ronald Reagan in 1980. Right, right. Um, boy, uh, I know we've, you've written a, a lot on, on the factors that created the religious right, right. And where it all came from. Um, I'm not sure I want to get into all of that, Um, but but, um, I'm just, uh, you know, I I was always, when I really finally figured Jimmy Carter out, I don't think I knew him, could figure him out in the beginning. I didn't know where he was at. And then when I realized (laughs) more, you know, about, about his faith and that it was for real, it was almost like I began to realize that um, he he exhibited a faith that that almost doesn't work in the public arena. I, I, do you understand what I might be yeah. trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was he one of the 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 things he kept quoting throughout his career was from Ronald Niebuhr, who said Hmm. that the sad duty of politics established justice in a sinful world. And uh, Carter, again, uh, quoted that many, many times throughout his career. So he understood that. And he understood that as a politician, particularly as a president, that he had uh, competing uh, responsibilities and obligations. And so... uh, one of the duties of the president is to uphold the law and to enforce the law. And uh, even some laws that he did not care for all that much, he felt uh, obligated to enforce. And, you know, I'm I'm skirting toward the abortion issue here. Uh, Jimmy Carter was very much opposed to abortion personally, but he also recognized that he was, as president, uh, responsible for um, enforcing and for respecting the, um, the Supreme Court decisions, and, mm-hmm. at, and at that time with Roe v. Wade, he he had to do that. Now he got a lot of uh, of uh, static for that uh, from a lot of people, certainly conservative Catholics, but also uh, in the 1980 election, evangelicals came after him on that uh, on that issue. So that may account for what you were saying about your ambiguity, um, mm-hmm. your ambiguous feelings toward uh, toward Jimmy Carter. But I think, again, if you look at his entire record and his presidency, uh, he was very much 
concerned that if the United States was going to have was going to have any meaningful relationship with third world countries, particularly Latin American countries, we needed to renegotiate the Panama Canal treaties and move away from American colonialism. And I think, again, historians uh, recognize that that was uh, the right thing to do. Uh, He wanted to move American foreign policy away from the kind of reflexive dualism of the Cold War era toward an emphasis on human rights. And Mm -hmm. Jimmy Carter's uh, foreign policy uh, succeeded in uh, freeing a lot of political prisoners around the world because he emphasized the importance of human rights. Uh, Many environmentalists consider him to be the best environmental president ever in American history. Again, Mm -hmm. he understood that the environment was God's creation. And if the environment is God's creation, if the natural world is God's creation, we need to protect it. Uh, so if you go down the line and and, and look at, at Mr. Carter's presidency, and one of the wonderful things that's happening now, I think, is that historians are beginning to reassess his years in office, and uh, yes. he's beginning to look a, a whole lot better than, than he yeah. did uh, in the years immediately after his uh, after leaving office. I, I was gonna I was gonna say he's got this reputation of being weak like he was a weak president or something. And uh, that's not true. I don't think that's true. No, No, it's not true at all. So uh, what, you know, what would you say were his greatest strengths? Well, I think he, uh, you know, I I think, you know, I mentioned a couple of them already. I think the emphasis on human rights, I think, was very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly a moral stand. Uh, He was very concerned about uh, attaining peace in the Middle East. And uh, most historians agree that he has done more to advance the cause of peace in the Middle East than any of his predecessors or any of his successors. And he understood the importance of uh, trying to bring um, healing to that troubled part of the world. He appointed more women and more uh, people of color to federal office than any other president in history. Uh, and if you go, if you just go through what he accomplished, it's really quite, uh, quite remarkable. One of his uh, biggest um, disappointments, and certainly the biggest disappointment for Rosalind, his wife, was the failure to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution. And again, that hmm. is very much consistent with 19th century evangelicalism and the push for women's equality. So these are things that uh, he was able to do as president um, that I think are really quite important. Wow. Um, but why why do you think he got the reputation of of being weak? Where do you think that came from? Well, I think it's important to remember the the context, the historical context. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody being president in the late 1970s was going to have an easy time. <laughs> and I've often said that Jimmy Carter was dealt a bad hand as president. And in many ways, it was a hand that he played badly at various times. But uh, it was not easy. 
1979, for example, was just a horrible year for Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Everything that could go wrong did. You know, everything from disco night at Comiskey Park in Chicago <laughs> to Three Mile Island, the nuclear disaster, to the taking of hostages in Iran, yeah. everything just went wrong for him. Um, I've often speculated, um, and, and you probably remember this, but in 1976, Gerald Ford was running for the Republican nomination. Of course, he won the Republican nomination. But Ronald Reagan very nearly took the Republican nomination in 1976. And I've often speculated that uh, if uh, Reagan had been the nominee in 76 and been elected in 1976, I think he too would have been a one-term president. It just was not easy to be president in the late uh, 1970s. The Arab oil embargo, everything was going Mm -hmm. wrong. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Carter uh, uh, came off as uh, as a weak president. The other thing that people don't remember about his time in office is that going into the 1980 uh, election, the, the weekend before the election in November of 1980, going into that weekend, Reagan and Carter were tied in the polls. Uh, it was neck and neck. But um, it was just Carter's luck. <laughs> that election day coincided with the one year taking of the, the anniversary of the taking of the hostages in Iran. And of course the media played that up over the weekend and uh, his support just dropped. Um, mm-hmm. And so he, mm-hmm. he lost in, in a landslide. Let's remember also, it has now uh, since been confirmed that the Reagan Bush campaign conspired with Iran so that the American hostages would not be released before the election in 1980. Oh and, my! Uh, that certainly, yeah. yes, that's that's now been that's now been um, confirmed. Um, um, I suspected it as I was writing the biography. A lot of people suspected it as well, but uh, just in the last year or so, it's been confirmed that that uh, a deal was made. Uh, that, you know, frankly, is illegal, but uh, nevertheless, that's what happened. Yep. Wow. <laughs> oh, my. Well, um, I think um, I think the, the other yeah. thing to talk about, I think, probably would be Carter after he left the, the White House, if you want to. Um, oh, yeah, I, talk I, about I, that. I definitely want to talk about that, but but I don't want to. You, I, I want to be sure and hear something. I'd love to hear something personal. And you, I mean, I, I do think you spent a good deal of time with him. Is that right? Uh, and, I, I did, yes, sir. And you, you know, how was that? Tell us something. Can you tell us a personal story? <laughs> or yeah, it just what was it like? Just hanging out with Jimmy Carter, you know? <laughs> sure. Well, I, you know, I. Um, you know, I, I didn't spend you know weeks or months with, with him, but I, I yeah. spent some time with him. He's he's a very private man, actually. And uh, as I was writing the book, or after I finished the book, I, I concluded that the only person he fully trusted was Rosalind, his wife. And of course, they've been married now seventy-seven years. Quite a remarkable mm-hmm. uh, marriage and 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 relationship. Uh, I guess the the the. Um, the anecdote I would pass on is that uh, I was there one down in Plains one Sunday to uh, uh, to sit in on his Sunday school class at Maranatha Baptist Church, of course. 
And then we had a conversation after church in, in one of the offices of the church. And so we talked about various things. And then he mentioned uh, a, a, a devotional book that he had just written. He, he, he's very proud of the fact that he's an author. And he's, he's written, I think, something like 20 books. He's quite, a, quite prolific, actually. Very proud of that. And uh, I, I, I said, I hadn't yet seen that devotional book. He said, well, you know, come on over to the house and, and uh, I'll give you a copy. So uh, I followed uh, the Secret Service uh, vehicles to his uh, compound and, and uh, uh, he went into the house to get the, the, the book. And uh, while he was in the house, Rose and I, and I were talking, just you know, chatting briefly. He came out of the house and he said, uh, I wasn't able to find you a new copy but here's Rosalind's copy. <laughs> I think it was called Through the Year with Jimmy Carter. I still have the book, of course. And he said, uh, he said to her, you don't mind if I give him your, your copy? <laughs> he kind of looked a bit sheepish about that. And, of course, she said that was all right. And so I have, uh, I have Rosalind's copy of Through the Year with Jimmy Carter, his devotional meditations. <laughs> through the year. Oh, wow. Wow. Isn't that great? Well, I tell you, I, I often, I really often thought, if, if a president, you know, was a Christian, a real Christian, down into their heart, mm-hmm. that they would probably be, uh, like, like Jimmy Carter. I, I've always thought about that, and and, and yeah. uh, you know, and and as maybe. As far as a as a true, authentic believer in such a position, uh, has there any been anybody like like him? You know, I mean, do you think? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think so. I, I think he's a singular uh, individual in that respect. Uh, now, a lot of people say, "Well, George W. Bush uh, claimed to be an evangelical Christian," and and you know, I, I don't have any. You know, I I, I I'm not in the position, uh, business of judging who is and who is not. Uh, right. an authentic believer and so yeah. if he says he is I, I agree with him but I think right. um, I, I think with Jimmy Carter you have to look at how he has lived his life uh, the commitment that he's made yeah. because of his faith uh, and I think I think it bears out and yeah. even in his policies as president I would argue that yeah. uh, he was very true to his convictions and true to what he believed Um, um yeah. What what about uh after his presidency you mentioned that and I think that that yeah, shows uh, very real as well, doesn't it? Well, I think so. I mean, uh, the uh, Habitat for Humanity of course, but also uh-huh. the Carter Center. Uh the Carter Center has succeeded now in eliminating or all but eliminating several tropical diseases. Wow. I mean, you think about that. That's just mm. <laughs> yeah, that's quite remarkable. And yeah. uh, and Carter is still apparently, you know, keeping track of that. He's trying to trying to get rid of the last guinea worm disease uh, yeah. on the planet uh, through the efforts of the Carter Center. And you think about presidential libraries now. I've done a lot of research in, in actually several presidential libraries: Reagan, Ford, Carter, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, Herbert Hoover, and so forth. And most of these places are kind of celebratory museums. And if you go to the Carter Center, yes, you have the the museum part of it that 
that talks about his life, his career, and his presidency. But it's in a working center where he's trying still through the Carter Center to eradicate disease, as I said, but also to mm-hmm. ensure democratic elections around the country and around the world. Uh, and this, I think, is uh, part of his legacy. In many ways, it's his second term, and he said that to me as well. He said, it's probably the case that if I had won re-election in 1980, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done some of the things that I've done since yeah. uh, leaving the White House. It was a way of kind of uh, certainly burnishing his legacy, and, and certainly we can understand that. But uh, he felt that he had unfinished business from his time as president, and he wanted to wanted to finish it up. Have you had a chance to uh, hear what he thinks about where America is right now? Oh, I think he was he was pretty much chagrined during the, the Trump presidency, right. uh, he, he, and he he made no no secret of that. Uh, he was very um, worried about where we were going as a nation. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he saw the 2020 election as a as a course correction. But I think he's probably still worried about these sorts of things. Now, he's uh, since he's gone on hospice, he's pretty much uh, incommunicado in, in terms of uh, uh, um, policy matters and so forth. Yeah. But he yeah. did show up. He and Rosalind did show up at the uh, peanut peanut festival parade in uh, Plains last week. So <laughs> he's, okay. he's still going strong. <laughs> Quite a remarkable guy. He really is. Amazing. Well, in uh, my final question, what do you think we can learn uh, now from Jimmy Carter that 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 we can use now in our in our life and in our place in well, the world? I, I think what's striking to me about his is his consistency. That is his consistency in his faith, but the way in which his faith informed the way he lived his life. And even now, I think we see it going on to ho- into hospice and saying, look, I'm ready for death. I don't have any any worries about this. And he's he's made that clear many times in, over the last several decades. And he's prepared to to meet Jesus, and he he looks forward to that. And his life, is, I think, has been uh, quite remarkably consistent as a man of faith. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Well, I'm really I'm really glad at the time. Uh, to look more deeply into this, and I hope our listeners uh, will run out and get your book, and uh, let's uh, let's learn from this man. Um, kind of an obscure, turned into an obscure character in our history, but uh, in many ways, you know, it's it's like you know, <laughs> nobody nobody gave Jesus when he was here. <laughs> That's right. Well, I actually in my book I, I talk about uh, Jimmy Carter as uh, someone who came unto his own and his own received him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's so true. Well, this has been really good. Thank you so much, Redeemer: The Life of Jimmy Carter. Uh, hope you go out and get it and uh, see what we can learn from this man. And and thank you. Randall, for uh, uh, finding these gems and uh, opening them up to us to where we can grow and we can learn. Thank you. Always a pleasure, John. (laughs) Okay, my friend.
We'll see you later. Um, we'll, next time. How about that? We'll see you next time. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Take John. Care. God bless. Right. You too. Bye-bye. Oh, that was so good. Good. Okay, folks. You're listening to Here The Catch go. with John Fisher on Blog that. Talk Radio. Connecting life. Love you go and get life with Jimmy Carter. Get it together. Stay tuned. Trying to help the fellow man. And peace tonight, Blog Talk Radio. God bless you all. We'll see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.